0: You know, I really liked, uh, I, I came away with uh, one of the things I took from Greg's teaching was just that whole uh, analogy about Gollum. Anyone uh, remember the Gollum there? You know, it's, he quoted the verse from 1 Timothy about the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And, and sometimes with money we can become like Gollum and money becomes my precious, you know. and uh, uh, But the antidote to that, that Greg talked about, the antidote to greed and the love of money is is giving, and it kind of really tests where your heart is, and there 's times when you go, Ah, I, I might be a little more like Gollum than Bilbo or whatever and um, you know there 's ways we do adjustments, and so um, you know this morning, I was going to talk a little about the idea of um, Giving, you know, sometimes our our financial equations are pretty straightforward. They're kind of linear, and you've got the, it's real basic, the equation, right? It's, you've got your income, and you subtract your expenses, and that equals whatever you've got on this side, right? Um, This is, this is real, this is... Dave Ramsey stuff here. I mean, real simple. I mean, so you get income minus expenses that leaves you either with savings and things that are growing on that side of the equation, or it leaves you with a deficit and and debt, and uh, you're in the red on that side. And a lot of times we look at our equations and we just kind of go, well, here's the money I've got, here's the expenses. Greg talked about tithing last week. It's, there's just no way. I can't afford to do that. Or, you know, there's, there's different things. Maybe it's other areas of our life, not even just finances. We, we look at our, our resources or we look at um, challenges we're facing. We just kind of go, well, here's the equation. And I've got nothing besides what I see and what I get. And, and that makes my housing real tough. That makes my career real tough. That makes, you know, health things are not looking good. Here's, here's the equation. And it... It's not going anywhere fast. And this morning, we're going to look at really four types of giving that I think will help you and I engage the, the exponential, the supernatural, um, even the eternal hand of God in our equations. It'll dr- radically change our equations. One of the things I want to share with you here is just a quote. My wife was reading a book recently called The Circle Maker. Uh, it's by Mark Batterson. And she sent me this quote because uh, it started her thinking about some of her heart related to giving and I want to read this to you it's it's encouraging it's challenging but um it says this I'll just put one part of it up Oops, sorry there's one part I passed it there you go thank you um he says this he says I have no idea what your financial situation is but I do know this if you give beyond your ability God will bless you beyond your ability God wants to bless you 30, 60, 100-fold. And if you are willing to subtract what you're spending on yourself and add it to what you're investing in the kingdom, God will do the multiplication. And if you believe that, you'll circle the promises of God and reap the reward. And if you don't, you won't. If you're still living in the world of addition and subtraction, the tithe is difficult to give because it feels like you're subtracting 10% from your income. But once you graduate to multiplication, you realize that God can do more with 90% than you can do with 100%. Why? Because when you add God into the equation, your finances, uh, the equation of your finances, it changes the game. If you give generously and sacrificially, the day may come when you're giving more than you're currently making. If you believe that, that circle might be worth circling. You know, this morning I really want to talk about that idea of adding a God factor to your equation, an equation that looks maybe ordinary or predictable or finite, and adding this God factor that has the ability to change things radically. We're going to look at several passages uh, related to this, that it's not just some pie-in-the-sky idea. It comes from the Scriptures, and you can test it. You can chew on it and see, see what might happen in your world here. But uh, anyways, uh, we're going to look at four different ways that we can engage this uh, exponential God factor in our equations here. And the first way we're going to talk about is it's related to faith filled giving and and obedient giving. And we're going to give you a sample, an example of that from. 1 Kings chapter 17, I'm going to read this story to you, and we're going to kind of look at this woman's equation, and then we're going to see what happened when she brought a God factor to bear on her equation. Some of you might know the story, it's, it's kind of fascinating, it was a time of, of famine that God had predicted was going to happen, and he told Elijah what was going to happen, and he started providing for Elijah by giving him water at this brook, and he had a raven bringing in food for him, I, I would have loved to have seen, I don't even know, what did he bring in, it said bread and meat, you know? I was like the form of muffins, or was it tortillas and some things wrapped up? I don't know how that would have looked. It would have been amazing. But it says this: um, sometime later, this is First Kings seventeen verse seven. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came to him, uh, "Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I've commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food." So he went to Zarephath. And when uh, he came to the town gate, a woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour and a jar, and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Her equation there, if we just stop and think about it, her equation was basically enough ingredients for one meal and then minus her son and her eating that meal equals she was going to starve to death. She was going to die. That was the equation she was facing. And Elijah, in the middle of her equation, was so bold to say, hey, you know, that's cool, I get it, but how about this, why don't you make me that meal first? And let's go on and see what it says here. I think... uh, I didn't get to that part yet. Uh, So he said to her, don't be afraid. Go home. Do as you have said. But first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The flour in the jar will not be used up. The jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family and the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So she had this equation, ingredients for one meal minus one meal equals death. Pretty finite equation, pretty grim equation. But the equation changed when she had these ingredients and she applied faith and obedience. Somehow it says God commanded her to do this and, and Elijah asked and she had to have faith, like, in order for me to do this, it means, you know, I die faster, I miss my last meal here or something. and But she did it. And then how did the equation turn out after that? Well, it went from that one meal plus her faith and her obedience... It ended up providing, if you do the math here, this three and a half years was the famine. Uh, seems like he had some food and supply before he got to her place. Um, so if you say just under three years he was with her, a thousand days. A thousand days, and if they had two meals a day, which, which was what Elijah was used to before that. Breakfast and dinner, meal from the ravens. Um, but, so then that's a thousand days times two meals, two thousand meal times. Times Elijah, times her, times her son, equals 6,000 meals that were provided, that got brought to her equation, a 6,000 time return on the one meal she gave away. And you know, it wasn't like, I'm not saying, hey, there's this financial, you do this thing, you give it away, you get 6,000 times your $100,000 investment, sign up here. Um, No, this was in the context of a severe famine, and to get a meal was a really big deal and there were people who were dying and and yet God brought something supernatural something uh, exponential to her equation and you know um, I, I just you know she could have said no I want to stick to my equation I eat my meal and die come on who are you to try to take my last meal away from me. But she didn't. She had faith and she obeyed. And you know, there's a lot of different ways you might apply this. One of the ways that I'm thinking about is, you know, if the prophet Elijah came up to you, kind of knocking on your door, knocking on the guy's household over there, kind of like, "Hey guys, I need your last meal." Um, it'd be pretty obvious. I think my guess is, Tyler, uh, Josh, I think you guys would probably do that, wouldn't you? Give your last meal away. I mean, I assume you would. Um, but but we don't have Elijah showing up on the doorstep saying, "Hey guys." God told me to tell you to give that to me. Um, we don't really have that situation. But we do have another prophet that kind of speaks to this subject. And it's the prophet Malachi, the last prophet in the Old Testament. And he spoke to a subject that God introduced in Genesis, a way of honoring God with our finances. Through Abraham was the first example of giving a tenth. God's worthy of all our money, but it just seems like a tenth was the standard that was set to show honor to God for his provision. It went through Abraham and then to Isaac. And then Moses introduced that into the law as a way to provide for the tabernacle. And then it was carried out through the prophets. Ends up here in Malachi. And then Jesus actually had a chance to kind of change the record. And, and instead he told the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 23, you should tithe, but don't leave out mercy and justice and compassion, these other things. And he, he carried it over into the New Testament. and But in some ways, you know, um, I... I can I can feel like uh, when I first was challenged with tithing, giving a 10th, I was like, this is crazy, you know, you don't, a 10th, do you know what I make? I, I was a single guy, engineer for Hewlett Packard, a 10th of what I made was, you know, it was, I don't know, 500 bucks a month is what I was giving, and I was used to a world where my parents, I mean, if someone stuck a $20 bill in the bucket that was going by, that was a big deal. I mean, it was like, whoa, who went out of their way? 20 bucks. Um, it's, but the first time you try this, they, it can be kind of scary. And I think of Elijah's words here of encouragement to this woman. She wasn't giving a tenth of her stuff away. She was giving her last meal away. And then the prospect was she would die after that. But he said, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. And he went on to encourage her with the words of the Lord. You're not going to run out you're not going to run it's going to work out god's going to bless you in this and he blessed her six thousand times over but if you're wrestling with tithing maybe you've never done it before i encourage you to consider Um, god has many promises that that back uh his blessing on it malachi talks about if you honor him with your tithes and offerings he'll, he'll bring a blessing that he'll pour out to you uh from heaven that your barns will be filled to overflowing and um you know, I, I just encourage you. To, there's, I did a whole teaching on that last year. You can go look that up. Uh, um, but, but I just, don't be afraid. I think God will bless you for that. And maybe it's some other area of your life that you kind of go, oh, I, I don't know. But if, if God has called you to do it or if scriptures are instructing you to do it, I'd encourage you to do it. Trust God. And, and I don't think you'll regret it. That widow, I don't think she ever regretted the fact that she gave her last meal to Elijah there. I don't think we would either. Another uh, facet of giving so that's faith-filled uh, giving that leads to obedient giving, and and she had it. And uh, another type of giving to consider here that might engage God's exponential blessing on your equation is is generous giving. We're going to look at a passage here real quick on this from. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 here, and, and some of you might be familiar with this passage, but uh, that's okay, um, because the Apostle Paul said, remember this, they must have already known about this too, they must have known this idea, this equation, but he said, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Uh, I love the message, puts it like this, remember a stingy planter gets a stingy crop, A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. And and there's an equation here to think about. Um, But, you know, in the idea of this world, the world tells us, hey, when you got your money, um, it takes money to make money, right? And so the idea of you got this money and you make more money with it, the idea of giving away money that you already have a limited amount of, that's not... They don't tell you to do that in most of the how to become a millionaire seminars. Take what you got, give it away, give all of it away... And you'll be a millionaire in no time. You know that's that's kind of violates all laws of finances, I think. Um, and yet, God is clear several places in the Proverbs. He says, uh, Proverbs eleven twenty five. He says, "The generous will prosper. A generous man will prosper." Uh, he says, "He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed." Proverbs twenty two nine says, "A generous man will be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor." You know, God says, "When you give it away." He, he's going to bless you. He's, he's going to bring something to bear on you for doing that. And, and often there's, it's promised that there'll be financial ramifications for your your giving away of the finances He's given you. And so um, just the equations to think about here is just that, I don't even know if this is how you spell stingy. It could be stingy. Um, stingy giving leads, leads to a stingy return, but uh, maybe stinky would work too. If you get stingy with your giving, God says, okay, here's the deal. Whatever measure is going on in your heart, I'm just going to flip that around on you. And if you think you can be stingy, uh, God can reflect that to you even more. You know, Jesus said this. He said, uh, Mark four twenty-four, with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you even more. Want to get stingy? God can play stingy. He, he's not stingy, but he says, I'll, I'll take your measure and I can work with this. And you want to get generous? God can do generous. God can do generous real well. I love... Uh, how this passage goes on here in the message it just says uh you know a stingy planter gets a stingy crop a lavish planter gets a lavish crop i want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give and that will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting god loves it when the giver delights in the giving god can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything more than just ready to do what needs to be done as one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy uh, in reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways never run out, never wear out. This most generous God gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals and is, is more than extravagant with you. And so, um, you know, God is, God is just crazy generous you want to use a generous measure God is free to then be generous with you in a God sized way and I was talking to my kids about this just this idea that God is I've been using the phrase God is crazy generous um he he does things we were sitting around the breakfast table talking about this the other morning but God does things like so he'll give you faith and then he'll turn around and bless you. He says, you know, it's, uh, you've been saved by grace through faith. And this is a free gift. God gives you faith as a free gift. And then he turns around and blesses you with salvation, forgiveness, and eternal life. Because you have faith that he gave you. God gives wisdom. James 1.5 says he gives wisdom generously without finding fault. He, he gives you wisdom when you ask for it. And then he turns around and blesses your socks off for walking in wisdom. And then God gives you every cent you've ever had, and if you're generous with that, he turns around and blesses you with even more. God is crazy, extravagant, lavishly generous. And I think we need to catch that, you know? And, uh, but, you know, in some ways, I, I want to just leave you with this question from this point, is um, whatever measure has been going on in your world right now, in your heart, did you know God is obligated to measure that back to you? And my question would be, what sort of measure is God obligated to give you right now? Is it stingy? Is it mine? I give you your dues. I give you the basics here. You know, generous is... I was looking up the the definition of that. um, I think it's like Webster's or something here. But it talks about um, giving beyond what... uh, Let's see if I find my definition here. It just says, uh, Showing a readiness to give more of something as money or time that is strictly necessary or expected um goes on to say larger or more plentiful than is usual or necessary. Giving generously is something that's beyond what might be expected, what might be normal giving beyond that. And um, I don't know, as I've been thinking about this in my world, I try to be faithful in my tithe and giving to the Thrive campaign. But, you know, that's kind of expected, right? You're a pastor, you better be giving to the Thrive campaign, you better be tithing, or, you know, the, the finance team's going to be on your tail real quick. Um, but, you know, I think God's been showing, you know, uh, there's a giving that's kind of beyond the regular in your world, Rich, Morgan. Um, and he's been challenging us, what are you giving beyond what's Maybe expected, and and we've been over the last couple of months started some givings commitments commitments to giving that are beyond beyond what we've been doing. They're beyond we're giving to ministries that are not a part of this church, and um, we want to get in on this. God is crazy generous when you're generous with others. I want I don't want to miss out on that anymore, and I encourage you to think about that. What measure is going on in your world, and and maybe think about changing that because I think God wants to unleash His exponential generosity on you. This next uh, point we're going to look at here is, is another facet of giving. And this is a facet, I think, that, again, engages something else into your equation. And, and it's giving thanks. And this some, sometimes so simple, it's easy to probably take for granted, um, like giving thanks. And so, uh, let's look at this story here in John chapter 6. You might know this story. I think it's worth revisiting here. But, uh, and again, think about how this might apply to your world. Maybe it's financially, maybe it's resources in your life, maybe it's housing related, relationship related. Maybe there's something where you go, God, this is all I've got and I want more. And um, the situation they were in was um, when Jesus was teaching on a mountain there, it said Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. John uh, 6. verse 4, it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. And turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip. He already knew what he was going to do. The message there says he was stretching Philip's faith. You know, he's got this situation. He's like, hey, Corey, how do you think we should take care of this? And then, you know, Philip kind of scrambles for an equation there. Well, uh, he says, uh, You know, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. I think another translation or another gospel says that even if we had eight months' wages, we wouldn't even be able to give everyone a small bite. That was his equation. All right, all these people, even if we add eight months' wages to this, people don't even get a bite. And then it goes on, another guy pipes in, um, then Andrew, Simon, Simon Peter's brother, spoke of, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. Ooh, you know um, but what good is that with this huge crowd? and then Jesus, tell everyone to sit down He said, and, and they sat down on the grassy slopes, and the man alone numbered about five thousand. You know the equation they were looking at there was five thousand men, uh, which included then somewhere five to ten thousand if you had women and children, and, and they were hungry and they wanted to eat, and you know. If, You're a family with teenage creatures, like Rob's going to be hosting here. Sometimes the teenage creatures want to eat more than the men, you know. And uh, there was a lot of people to feed here. And they had five loaves and two fish. And do the math. Five loaves, two fish, 5,000 equals what? Huge deficit. Big problem. And, And so, somehow this God factor got introduced here. And what did Jesus do? He took the five loaves. And he gave thanks to God and he distributed them to the people. You know, I think something that we have to watch out for, uh, there's this huge thing, this huge deficit. And we can be like, God, I want a miracle for this deficit. And yeah, you know, I've got 50% of what I need. I've got 90% of the financial needs. But this 10%, God, do a miracle here, please. And we look to God for a miracle in this small part over in our equations. And we overlook what God has already given us, and Jesus—if anyone could have overlooked anything—like, Father, thank you for these five loaves. It, what, what good is that? You know, he, obviously, he had a better attitude than that. But many of us would have been, ah, five loaves, thanks for nothing, Lord. Um, I got to feed five thousand, but he didn't, and he, he took the loaves. And you um, know, I often like to think, when did the miracle occur? Did it occur when they sat down, or did it occur? you want to what 's the formula here? and the thing that I keep coming to over and over again is he took the five loaves and the two fish he gave thanks some point after giving thanks, things began to multiply, and it fed you know it said they were everyone was full five thousand to ten thousand stomachs were full, and then they had twelve baskets left over I mean that's talk about an exponential factor in your equation, but, um, you know, I I think that I would just encourage us to to look over those equations, and, you know, that it radically changed, and and really seems like the key was that he gave thanks, and when he gave thanks, God blessed, God multiplied what he had, and uh, I just encourage you to look over your situation, are you overlooking something? Maybe you are a little short on your income. Maybe you're a little... You know, sometimes people are looking for increasing or growing or uh, relationships, having more or better relationships. When's the last time you gave thanks for the ones you currently have? You want more? Let's give thanks for what you've got. I think all of us could probably grow in this. And I think God responds extravagantly to giving thanks. And I encourage you, let's, let's test them more in this. Last one we're going to look at here is just um, sacrificial giving. Um... You know, this, there's a couple examples here we're going to look at on this subject. But it's really not even just sacrificial giving, um, but giving as sacrificially as an act of worship. And a couple stories we're going to look at here is, one, you might remember the the widow with two coins. Mark chapter 12, Jesus um, is watching some people giving in the temple. And you know, I, I think they're giving in the temple as a tithe or an offering, an act of worship is what it's supposed to be. I think that's what she was really doing but it says Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury many rich people threw in large amounts but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny calling his disciples to him Jesus said I tell you the truth this poor woman has put more into the treasury than all the others they all gave out of their wealth but she out of her poverty put in everything all she had to live on And so this woman, she she had two coins. I think I got a couple coins. Two pennies here. I got two pennies. In the current currency of our nation, these two pennies are worth only a fraction of a penny, I'm pretty sure, um, at least metal-wise. But she put them in, and, uh, you know, the disciples noticed other extravagant things. Oh, they're putting all that in. Those buildings are spectacular. But Jesus noticed this woman who put in two tiny little coins. And, um... He said she gave more than everybody else. And I don't know what her world was like, you know. She was there in the temple giving a tithe. Maybe it was more than a tenth. Obviously, it was everything she had. And I don't know what happened to her after that. Maybe she gave her pennies and she died. Maybe she gave her pennies and she won the lottery. We don't know, you know. Uh, But what I do know is that her giving caught the attention of her eternal creator. And I believe God took note of that and she was going to be rewarded in a weight of glory, not in a weight of gold and things you can measure in this life and in a weight that would be recognized of God forever. And I'm positive when you and I get to heaven, um, this woman, if we can find her is going to be shining radiantly there because of her sacrificial giving. And I want to go find her and I want to, I have a feeling she's going to be not hard to spot. Like there she is. Whoa. Praise the Lord. Um, and, and, God, it caught God's eternal factor in her equation there, and I believe it'll be remembered forever. Mary. similar thing. while she was at Beth all, Jesus was in Bethany, reclining at the table uh, in the home of a man named Simon the leper. A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, "Why waste?" Uh, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and money given to the poor. Modern day, you know, I think she could have used that and lived off the interest for the rest of her life. Uh, They rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you'll always have with you. You can help them anytime you want, but you'll not always have me. Um, She did what she could. She poured perfume. On my body before him to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And again, she, she had this, her equation was she had her life savings right here and she wasted it. They, they said, but it was a sacrificial act of worship that caught the eye that blessed the heart of Jesus and her act was to be remembered wherever the gospel goes, and it's been going out for over 2,000 years, almost 2,000 years now, and Mary's been remembered as, as really a disciple of one who was uh, converted and, and transformed by the gospel. And she's now entered in the eternal scriptures, and, and somehow again, when we get to heaven, I think you're going to be able to find Mary without a problem, because she was rewarded with an, an eternal weight of glory here that... Um, beyond anything that she could have gotten in this life. And so um, God, it catches the attention of God when we give sacrificially here. And, you know, I'm just going to close with, um, you know, why does God seem to bless this type of giving so much? Faith-filled giving, generous giving, willing giving, uh, thankful giving, sacrificial giving. Why does God bless this so much? And I believe, I've come to the conclusion, I think the scriptures are real clear on it, God blesses this type of giving so much because it is so like God. It reflects God's heart of giving. It honors God's heart of giving. It honors God, it glorifies God. And anytime we do things that reflect, that imitate God, He he blesses it, and especially giving. And we're gonna close uh, this morning just with um, just remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross here. Just gonna look at, you know what's, interesting to think about is that the gospel and what jesus accomplished it encompasses every one of these types of giving that we talked about Uh, faithful obedient giving you know jesus said i i do exactly what the father commanded me to do they had worked out a plan from the beginning that um that his role whoops sorry his role would be to to be the one who was offered as a sacrifice and he obeyed his role completely because he loved the father and think of generous you know i think of romans 5 8 that says you know sometimes you know a good person you might help out a good person but what jesus did god demonstrates his love for us in this while we were still sinners christ died for us talk about going beyond the, the regular or the expected a good person maybe you help a good person we were all sinners enemies of god hearts bent away from him and and he died generously for us and um You know, I think about we're going to just take some time here to give thanks and uh, remember what Jesus did. But that night before, we'll just read that real quick here. Matthew 26. um, Well, the night he was within 24 hours going to be on the cross, letting all of his blood go for us. Um, What did he do when he practiced the symbol that we would remember that by until he returns? Um, Matthew 26. Verse 26, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks, offered it to them saying, drink it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. You know, Jesus was giving thanks with the symbol, the very symbol that would represent him letting every drop of his precious blood go. Mary gave precious perfume away. Jesus gave his precious blood away so that we could find forgiveness and have it for free. And this morning we're going to remember that. The last verse that, uh, you know, as, as far as sacrificial giving that Jesus did, I love this. Uh, Ephesians 5.1 says this, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus offered himself every drop of blood as an act of worship to our Heavenly Father. Yet in doing that, it's the very thing that paid for the salvation, the ransom for you and I, and we're just going to take time to remember this morning what Jesus has done for us. We'll have some, some music in the background. The way we do this, if you haven't done this with us before, so we just have two places in the back of the room where you can go and take the bread, and we've got a cup there, and you can dip your bread in the cup, and just, we um, going to take a minute here just to take time to thank Jesus, to remember what he's done for you. While we're doing that, I encourage you to check your heart, Maybe there's some things, other things you need to thank Him for that you've taken for granted. Maybe there's some, some things you've been stingy about that you need to, it's hard to remember the extravagant love of Jesus and His blood shed when we're being stingy in our equations right now. Maybe it's take time to call, sin sin and thank Him for dying for that. And, and then we're just gonna, whenever you're ready, just head to the back of the room and, and take that back with you here. But uh, I'm gonna pray and then we'll have some background music as, as we do this to close. Oh, Heavenly Father, I just, uh, I just thank you for um, your example to us, your heart of giving that, uh, that is faith-filled, that's faithful, obedient, that's generous and willing, and you gladly gave your life for us, and uh, that you even gave thanks. For the very symbol that represented what you were going to do for us and, and that you offered yourself, Jesus, as a sacrifice. And I would just thank you for your example. Thank you that you bless us when we, when we imitate you, when we walk in your ways. You're so um, willing to bless us. Lord, I pray that we would each have a measure in our heart that would allow you, that would even obligate you to bless us in the way you've promised. And, and God, we just remember um, the, the cross here this morning. We remember you shedding your blood for us, sending your son to shed his blood for us. And we thank you for that together. And uh, Lord, I just pray you'd even hear our prayers individually um, as we remember you here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.